Hello and welcome to another episode of Fintech Insider Interviews. I'm Jason Bates and this week we have an exclusive interview from two fantastic guests. Mariano Belinki of Santander Innoventures and Shashar Bielik, the CEO of Curve. We're going to discuss the recent announcement of Santander's investment in Curve and how they go about expanding their growing fintech portfolio. Uh, thanks for coming, guys. Um, what are we here for in a world where uh, we've moved from fintech taking aim at big banks to more investing and partnering? It's great to be able to dig behind the scenes and hear more about how those investments happen and, and what drives them. And I guess Santander Innoventures have recently made uh, a, a great investment in, in Curve. So we, we're here to, I guess, find a bit more out about that. Maybe we start with you, Mariano, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about Santander Innoventures and where you fit in. Right. So um, Innoventures is, as you pointed out, the global VC arm of the Santander Group. Uh, we invest in all of the geographies where Santander is present, which means basically UK, US, continental Europe. We also invest in Israel, even if we don't have uh, a banking presence there, we really like the ecosystem. We are stage agnostic for the most part, so we've invested in everything from seed to e-rounds, and we do so in a very strategic way. Uh, what we look for are sustainable business models that can do effectively three things. We have this very sort of naive investment framework. Can this company help us improve our value proposition to Santander customers? Can we create value to the company itself? And will we learn something important in one of our core businesses? And that's sort of the, at the top of how we think about any and every investment. And so applying that logic, you know, we have, we've identified things that are more mature, like, um, Cabbage, the Atlanta based lender with whom we do uh, working capital lending for SMEs here in the UK. Uh, and we've also identified, uh, more early stage companies like Curve, uh, where we see a lot of potential to, you know, again, improve the, the way we, we deliver, um, products and services to our customers. Um, we write checks as small as 250k up to 10 million. Uh, we've been up and running for about, uh, three years. In that time, we've looked at 3,500 companies. Wow. So quite a bit. And we've made, uh, 17 investments. So our, our hit ratio is about 0.5%. And I think that's it. The, the team is London-based. We're all here, even though uh, the mothership is in, in Spain. Our investments are 50% in the US, about 25% in Israel, and the rest are scattered around uh, continental Europe. Um, and that's it. It's a fun thing to do. Mm. So you've made some investments recently, of which Curve's one. Tell us, tell us what else you've uh, invested in before we we get on to Curve. So the in the last batch that we announced, we announced three investments. Uh, we announced um, San Francisco-based uh, Grid Space, which is a company that does uh, voice to text and sentiment analysis in real time for customer calls. So it's a bit of customer engagement, a bit of, a bit of AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, we invested in an Israeli company called Pixanai, which, by the way, Shahar introduced me to. So I already have, yeah. uh, you know, to uh, do I get equity? Uh, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about that. One. Uh, and what they do is, is they do the image recognition on the pictures you have on your device to be able to extract uh, anonymous features that allow us to uh, better target uh, the way we offer you 
products and services, whether it's uh, credit scoring or uh, cross-selling or figuring out what your needs are. If you're taking suddenly pictures of houses, it probably is a good time to offer you a mortgage, right? Um, and then the third one is London-based uh, Curve, which I'm sure we'll talk a bit about today. Cool. So w- uh, what is that investment thesis? What what separates out of the 3,500 companies you've looked at? What separates out those that you that interest you versus those that you say no to? So for every vertical, and we truly, I think, look at every single vertical in fintech, just you know, given that Santander is a universal bank, and so somewhere in, in, in the world we do have every possible financial services uh, business, uh, we try to have a a fairly defined thesis of what we like and what we don't like, right? Um, And a lot of that has to do with what we see as sustainable business models. Um, A lot of that has to do with how accurate the value proposition is towards our customers. Is it really disruptive? Are are we truly improving the way we do things or is it just a better mousetrap? And it has to do with how are we reacting to uh, some, let's say, exogenous uh, um, uh, pushes like regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's how we think about the verticals thematically. Another angle, another dimension has to do with what uh, disruptive technologies are are coming about, and those cut across many of our verticals. So, you know, we, talk, we were talking about this before last year, blockchain was all the rage and so uh, we had a thesis around that I think lately we've heard a lot about AI and and the way we think about AI is it has to be sort of AI with a purpose mm-hmm. I call them the by the way companies uh, I like you know founders who come and pitch and say I'm solving a real problem in financial services and by the way I'm using AI to do so mm-hmm. It's not a, here's my company, last week we were doing wealth management, and today we're doing AI with uh, wealth management. There has to be a real, you know, sort of uh, tangible application to to that technology. So I think, you know, we, we, we're focusing a lot these days on, on real problems that are solved with AI. I truly believe AI will be transformative in the industry. We're starting to get more active in Latin America, there's a lot of very exciting stuff going mm-hmm. on there. They're very sort of the idiosyncratic features of of, of, of those economies make fintech a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Well, that, that that's interesting on the AI front because obviously that's aligning to your background, isn't it? You know, you've yeah. got uh, with your PhD that was sort of a big part of your doing. You'll you have to put your fingers in your ears for this one. But how how big a part does sort of the founding team make to uh, you know your decision to invest? If it's not at all, we won't. We will edit this bit out to tell him it was. But don't worry. So it it is of course you know super important, uh, particularly uh, in the earlier uh, stages of a company. Having said that, mm-hmm. I truly believe that corporate VCs are very good at certain types of pattern recognition, like but particularly uh, business models. Mm-hmm. There are other parts where we truly rely on co investors to really do that assessment, right? We as a corporate VC don't really know how to help a company grow to the next stage. Sure. We can bring commercial traction, we can bring brand, we can solve regulatory problems, we can open doors, but we truly rely on our co-investors uh, on the assessment around team, on the assessment around startup dynamics, and, and is this a company that can truly grow and, and mature and so on. And I think that's that's healthy. I don't think we should 
just suddenly think that we can really spot all the, you know, gems. Yeah. So I guess that brings us on to Curve. For those people who don't know, can you tell us a bit about Curve, what it's about, where it started? Um, so Curve is on a mission to simplify and unify the way we spend and see and save money. Uh, in layman uh, terms of the product, uh, we start with a smart card that consolidates all your cards into one. Uh, so you no longer have to have multiple cards in your wallet. Uh, and then we introduced more features that consolidates uh, the world of money around FX. So you no longer need to have a new FX card to save money on FX. Uh, we can provide you the best FX fees available uh, without uh, changing the way you pay. So you can still use your trusted uh, and loved bank brand. Uh, you don't have to move deposits from one account to another. You keep using the cards you love and now you start saving money on FX. Get better transparency about your spend. Allow you to uh, budget better and stay on top of your uh, accounts better. And then we introduced uh, more features around security. So uh, simple security that lock, unlock cards. Just today, uh, there was an article going out that only 30% of the UK banks allow you this functionality, which seems so simple. Uh, but legacy banks, leg- big banks, because of their legacy system, it's very hard for them to introduce this simple feature of lock, unlock the card when it disappears and users love it. And um, a few months back, we also introduced the first ever instant cashback and rewards. So you travel with any card you want. They're always available for you on your mobile phone. Uh, pay out with the Curve card anywhere you want. And you can go to Boots or Max and Spencer and pay for a package of, for a basket of £100. And as you leave the store, you get up to 5% cashback immediately into your Curve account. And you can spend this money anywhere. It's yours. Uh, we also introduced... Uh, cooler features like financial time travel. So uh, we understood that people want more flexibility and choice around the way they pay uh, and not necessarily be stick to the payment card they have available to them, whether because of cash or because it's not on them. Uh, so with Curve, a user can pay at a point of sale with any card he wants to pay with and up to 14 days later change retrospectively uh, the card and the account that was charged for the same transaction. Uh, so that's what the product is today. But but Curve is, is something uh, which is a bit bigger, and that's what I believe picked an interest of, of uh, incumbents uh, like Santander. The, the problem that Curve is trying to solve, uh, is which is aligned with the mission of simplifying and unifying money, mm-hmm. is around fragmentation. So you probably see and hear of uh, many startups coming out every day in the fintech space. Uh, if it's uh, around lending, around credit, around payments, um, if it's around management of business expenses or different products that allows you to manage your accounts personally or for the business. And we didn't even include what incumbents are doing, which is also great stuff around credit lending, mortgages, and account management. And the world of finance became more and more fragmented. And the more will continue, it will become fragmented even more, even further. Now, the challenge with fragmentation is that it's good that fragmentation exists because that means there's expertise and niche audiences get niche products that they are created and personalized to their needs. And probably it also means competition, which means better fees, less fees, better cost savings and so forth. Uh, but the challenge with fragmentation is that if it's not accessible to the user, then uh, it, it, it's as if it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So our belief is that 
it's inevitable that in a few years down the line, and the number everyone likes to throw is five to seven years, so I'll just stick to that. <laughs> uh, but a few years down the line, uh, there would be a convergence of uh, those services. And the convergence will not be that there is going to be one company that provides those services because these services are good and they should be provided by different companies. Mm-hmm. But the convergence will be as a convergence layer, an experience layer that will sit on top of everything money and will connect the user to the services personalized and created to his needs. And um, I have a few bets of which companies that could be, but uh, with that uh, in mind, we set up Curve to basically become that experience there. Uh, it's a new category. It's a connected finance category, we call it. It's not about challenging the banks. Uh, we see the space that existed 500 years. Mm-hmm. If it's banks, if it's the regulators that is there to put the money multiplier uh, capital requirements, if it's the fintechs, if it's the products in, in money management that exist, each one of them in the networks, each one of them has a place in the space. So... The convergence layer, whatever it would would be, and whatever the company uh, that would win that market, has to somehow find a way to work with the different incumbents, with the networks, be it the end customer, be it the merchant, or be it the bank, or even now telcos and retailers come into the play. Um, so we believe that this understanding of the market that is fragmented and there's going to be convergence there and the convergence there is a new category that will know how to work with different incumbents is that uh, that layer would become a new category that sits on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. It's similar to what MasterCard and Visa did in the 50s, disrupting cash and traveler's checks. Uh, it was a new category, a new technology that sits on top of three different parties, the end merchant, the bank, and the user. Uh, now there's a new layer that sits on top, which is the experience layer. And that's it on top of everything else. And it will work with everyone else. I guess in advance of the CMA remedies and PSD2, what we're seeing are a number of players step up to to get that beachhead, to get those million customers, few million customers, that then when interactivity and being able to be that aggregator gets a lot easier rather than using Yodly or one of the traditional sort of aggregation platforms, then they're there ready. And I guess we see, you know, Revolut going for FX and Monzo with the prepaid card. And I guess you're, you know, you guys have gone for that one card to rule them all beachhead. Yeah. Is that a, a fair summary? So indeed, there is, there is many companies. We're not the first one going towards the same holy grail. In fact, Mint were the first one, in our mm. opinion, that started to do that. Uh, but Mint have to do the wrong um, job you do with money, which is seeing money. You don't see money as frequently or you don't like to see money as frequently as you spend money. The common thing between Revolut, Monzo and Curve is that we all tap to the right job, which is spending money. And different one and everyone took a different approach. Uh, Monzo took the approach of I need to create a better bank, uh, which is uh, great. I want to have a better bank, uh, but there's nothing wrong with the job that banks are doing in our opinion. Right? The, it's all about the definition of what the job of the bank. Banks are doing a great job keeping my money safe. They're doing a great job understanding financial uh, inclusion, financial services and expertise around that. They're doing a poor job on technological experience. They also did a poor job about creating a global network. So they create a new company to create this category of a global trusted network. Mm-hmm. Um, Revolut took a different one, which is a bit of FX, which is basically giving money for free. It works. I can give money for Facebook. I can give money for free uh, to some extent. But the challenge there is uh, customer expectations. When I'm going to Starbucks, uh, there is expectation of getting good coffee, not alone. When I'm taking an FX product, an FX card, expectations that I will save money on FX, I won't get a mortgage. Uh, uh, so there is alignment of expectation of the product. We 
the reason we took the all your cards in one approach because the expectation from the very beginning is that uh, it's all your cards in one it's all your money in one it's your connected finance or personal money hub or whatever definition you want to call this convergence layer and so that's one difference between those companies and another difference is that uh, Monzo and Revolut, great companies, amazing teams and amazing execution, only good things to say, uh, on, on the execution itself. That there was an, there is an issue which will, we believe will prevent them from driving towards the millionth and the two millionth users. And the challenge is, A, they're going against the incumbents. They're not looking to align with the convergence. And it's hard for me to believe that if Barclays is throwing a billion dollar on experience there, they will not win Monzo. It's hard for me to believe that. Secondly, it's about a global platform that will connect everything money. So it has to work with all the incumbents if you want to be create this global seamless experience worldwide. So whatever approach you're taking, it has to be an approach which has limited friction and keeps the relationship with the underlying bank. The user, the banks don't want to lose this relationship and they will throw money and some of them will win and some of them will lose. But it's hard for me to believe that those winners and companies and banks like Santander or BBVA or Barclays that have these uh, technological abilities and have the money and the funds to do that will not create this on platform. And if creating this on platform, they're competing with Monzo. But if I'm using HSBC and Barclays and Metro Bank, and I'm not even referring to the banks I have in Singapore and in Israel, what? I will have five different convergence layers? It's not convergence. So it has to be something different. It has to be something on top. And that's the main difference between us. The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Critical mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs. Opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just won Reader's Choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest. Most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. But I guess to to play it back, PSD2 and the CMA Remedy sort of APIs are actually not going to provide the capabilities that a a full stack bank would be able to deliver. So there is a a question. I think everyone would love the most amazing uh, account APIs, web hooks and transactions and deep metadata, which just aren't going to cut. So if I use my, you know, my MasterCard from another bank, it drops, you know, 90% of the data that comes along with that and then gets sort of sent through. So do you think that the, you know, uh, I know personally that Monzo is aiming for that marketplace bank as well, as is Revolut, as is, as are you, as are everyone else. And that equally the big banks are fighting to maintain that relationship with their own app stores and convergence layers themselves. So how do you sort of, you know, see that playing out? What Shahar said, which is experience, right? Um, everyone's talking about what are the defensive moves in PSD2 and what are the attacking moves in PSD2. 
Unfortunately, that one slide probably comes from a consultant deck, which means that we all have the same page, <laughs> which means that we're all going to go for uh, PSIP. We're all going to go for data aggregation. We're all going to go for metadata extraction and insight extraction. And out of all the companies that I've seen so far, I haven't seen one idea that I can say, that's it. These guys got it. These guys are really going to disintermediate us all. Aside from Curve. That's it. I'm getting there. (laughs) (laughs) And what Shahar is saying, I think, is a critical thing, which is, in the end, the only thing we can do, given that we will all have the same playbook, incumbents and attackers alike, the only thing we can do is try to get closer to the customer, not get fancier on the features, not see who has the nicest you know, pie chart and the nicest uh, sure. health, financial health score or the nicest forecast of, you know, drink less coffee so you can make it to a month end. The only thing we can do is have a better, more unified, more seamless and frictionless customer experience. Then I'll ask Chahar uh, in a second to talk about the numbers he sees with his uh beta users, which I think are just amazing, right? You have to find ways to stay top of wallet. You have to find ways to simplify the way people use money. And we, most of the times, use money to spend, right? We work every single day of the week such that we have money to spend. So the convergence point is always going to be how we spend money. Um, so anything and everything we do has to be around creating, that's the hook, Right, we have to get better at creating uh, an an experience layer that allows us to to stay closer to the customers. Because if it's not us, it will be Google, it will be Facebook, sure. it will be someone else doing that. Someone mm-hmm. who's already intermediating your digital life or disintermediating your digital life. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, I think that it is not comparable to Monzo and it is not comparable to Revolut because Monzo is a better mousetrap for banks and Revolut is. An FX play, I guess. I'm not entirely sure, but you know, let's say that's what it is. But they are playing a game that others are already playing, right? Here, as Shahar said, this is sort of something of a new game. We're trying to get one step closer to the customers. If you'd like, you can add today Revolut and Monzo to Curve. That just shows you we're sure. not competing. But like, I mean, hey, I, I, you know, led the product proposition stuff for Monzo. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I feel that's a bit of a straw man. You know, to, to, to play the counterpoint, I'd say most people get their salary paid to one bank. Yes. You know, there's a place it comes into and then it gets dispersed from. And the, the month to month everyday financial services and all of the user journeys and customer needs, the deep needs that are there are something very real that you then build services against. Now, one of the ways of, of, um, then you're looking at convergence of where you disperse it to. Yes, I'm going to be managing ISAs and mortgages and loans and everything else. But the question of, you know, how many financial products do you, do you have, you know, additional current accounts or savings accounts? Well, actually, they can all be delivered by pots or they can all be delivered in different ways. So I, I would almost I challenge this by saying that there's a place your money goes into that it then then right. comes out from. So rather than it being a better mousetrap, I think, you know, Monzo is very different. Uh, different I agree with that. But, but, but my point there is usually if you can, from a suitability perspective, you're going to have more than one bank account. Just because, but because that's what people do, and that's what. But, but the question is, why from a customer need? And if you can, you're going to have more than one credit card because you like spending, and you like spending 
usually more than what you make, unfortunately, for the society that we live in today. Sure. So the typical customer will move towards more than one bank account, usually two point something, sure. and will move towards more than one credit card because one gives them loyalty points here and the other one has a cashback thing. And, and so naturally, as you become uh, a, as you create wealth for yourself, you tend to create this fragmentation, right? So I don't dispute that maybe your your main bank account is Monzo because Monzo is a better mousetrap for banking. That's fine. I'll buy that. What, I, what I'm trying to say is at some point, as you get get fancier in your financial uh, <laughs> sure. sophistication and, yeah. and, and, and behavior, you're going to have five bank accounts. So you're going to end up having, will want to have something that aggregates it all in one. Sure. I, I'm, I guess I'm not uh, challenging the need for this convergence layer. It's just whether the convergence layer is, is deeply integrated to a primary account or whether it's separate and provided by a number of players so that, like Fluidly, Bird Curve, you know, who are aiming at that. Let me answer That's it in a different way. You're, you're, you led the proposition at, at Monzo. You're visionary. Truly. And I'm hearing Fla- your... Flattery gets you everywhere. <laughs> it's, uh, you know. Let's roll with this vision. Ten years down the line. Apple Pay is now connected to all the banks in the world. They've introduced ability to pay with installments, credit lines, access your data that you get from Apple Pay to zero, different accounts management, personal finance management tool. They literally built an app store within their Apple Pay wallet. Apple Pay is not a bank. They are utilizing the bank's abilities and expertise to cross and upsell and deepen the relationship with the users. The bank's logos are not on Apple Pay. They're within the underlying cars that exist. It's still an Apple product. Do you think Apple Pay would become that convergence layer? I guess it's the what jobs it, it, it will do. Because there's one thing about Apple Pay then making it phenomenally easy to disperse and pay. There's another about whether their core need is getting you payday to payday and, and all of the, the pieces around you know, saving you money, finding the best utility providers, uh, auto switching, all of that kind of rich stuff specifically around like the, the private banker in your pocket who is 24 seven looking after your personal finances. And I'm not sure Apple are in the game to do that at the moment. I think we're the interest, the discussion here is on there are going to be layers. And there are going to be specialist players at each of those layers. And there are also going to be players who are going to try and combine those layers in interesting ways. Um, we're already seeing that, right? With yeah. a number of players in the market have started at a beachhead and now they're moving up, up or down the stack. So I think we're increasingly going to see that, I guess, is the, and I, I guess this is to the, to the point you said earlier on, Jason, is you guys have started at a, you know, with a, the alpha that came out, how, how long ago was the alpha? A year ago. A year ago. And you guys have rapidly built new functionality. Mm-hmm. So like the, just the pace you guys have brought stuff to market on has been quite impressive. So I, I guess, how are you going to continue that, that sort of roadmap of uh, new functionality coming through? Hiring more people and going yeah. faster. <laughs> the, the, is that where the investment's going then, right? Is that, that's good. But the, the, the beauty about the, how Curve is structured is that we don't have the, a, the legacy system of a bank, but we also don't have the capital requirements or the, the different cost structures that a bank has. Uh, all we are is a technology company layer that sits on top and connect the user with various services. Uh, and there is no real movement of money that sits on top of the deposit with us. Mm. For something that's essentially a new category, as you as you describe, how are you going about defining the roadmap for customer functionality? Because th- you recently launched the uh, t- go back in time, yeah, the, the I, w- which I loved. You know, I love that idea of being able to kind of redirect post. 
post-payment. So uh, was that something that customers said they wanted or was it something that you devised and took to customers? Or- so go back in time specifically started with a, a problem we created for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we solved it for ourselves. And, and while doing so, we also did a lot of customer research and we figured out actually there is something here in this problem that you created that exists even outside of Curve to some extent. Uh, but the methodology we use at the company and something Jason just mentioned is the jobs to be done. Uh, we do a lot of research, uh, uh, with the product marketing team, uh, uh, with users and we're under- starting to, under- and trying to un- understand the benefits and the jobs that users are trying to do. Um, to those who are not familiar with jobs to be done, it's, it's quite simple. Jobs are universal. They're not changing. They're there for 5,000 years. If you want to move a package from point A to point B, there's multiple ways of doing so from riding a horse to using a telegraph or to using an email. And so what are the universal jobs that people are trying to do with their money? We dissected them into four categories that we're looking at around spending money, sending money, seeing money and saving money. And seeing money doesn't uh, uh, only mean uh, my ability to stay on top of my spend and see how it looks in the app beautifully, but it also means around uh, managing expenses, for example. Uh, And it's around connecting to personal finance management tools. Uh, saving money can mean rewards. It can mean saving accounts, can mean investments. Uh, so we got into a stage where we, we created a better way to pay. That's the hook. That's the into the market and a platform that can become that experience there eventually. And now we're focusing on different jobs that we identified that users uh, uh, would like to have them and uh, building a better proposition for managing expenses for example, which is not only connecting to the likes of Zero and QuickBooks and Concur. So when you pay, it automatically reconcile everything. So it saves you time mm-hmm. and money. It also uh, allow you to manage your teams better. So instead of, and I'm giving you an, an insight about feature we're working on, instead of uh, giving a car to your team members and moving money to your team members, which is annoying to manage that, it removes money from your account. Let's just share a funding card with them. So it's all your cards in one, so we can share the funding card with the team members and you can just use it and you see real notification, invoices coming in, connecting to your different account systems and reconciled. So it's around saving money and time uh, or giving other benefits. There's absolute truth that uh, occurs in the world and we're trying to tap to each one of those. So Mariana said you uh, had some amazing figures in terms of the engagement. Is there anything you can share? Uh, so I, you know, it's it's a small world here, and 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 once you go fundraising, everyone knows your metrics. I guess those who <laughs> need to know know already. So so what's amazing in, in the metrics we see are two things. Uh, the first one is the share of wallet. So we measure share of wallet by seeing how much money is being passed through uh, the curve card. Yes, it's a bit biased because we start with a a beachhead market of solopreneurs, micro businesses, so they're more affluent or they spend more for the business. Mm-hmm. But still, it's higher than the average in the UK, uh, which is north of £1,000 a month. And if you compare it to any other fintech, it's 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 remarkably well. Uh, the second one, which is the retentions uh, metrics. So we measure retention. Uh, two main metrics we're looking at is the... Uh, uh, the Dao Mao, how many times a day, uh, how many, how many days a month or a week a user using the product? Uh, and the second one is, um, once you give someone the curve product, mm-hmm. how many of them are staying? So our retention over cords is over 50%. You give you a card, you, you almost never leave us. And it's before even doing any growth mechanics. Mm-hmm. And the Dao Mao, uh, that we have for those users who stay, it's over 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they use it almost every other day on average. So I use it every other day, every day. 
Uh, but we're still not happy. So when we went to the investors, we told them we're still not happy with this metric. And the reason we're not happy with this metric is because the Dao Mao is contextual. The Dao Mao, you have a toothbrush, is 100%, mm. if, or if not 200. So the Dao Mao of, of a payment that is all the cards in one should be higher than the average Dao Mao that you should see for someone who banks only with one card. So we're aiming to increase that as well. And the way to increase it is to give, again, more value to the user. So I got all my cards in one. Great. Now what? And, and get more insights and, 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 and benefits to the user about why you should use it and why you should keep uh, moving away also from the card into the app itself. And what do you think it, it is about it? What brings people back uh, for those solopreneurs and small businesses? Because I, I guess naively would assume that a business has a single account in terms of the, you know, the, a single business account, especially for a small business. Small business um, does, but the person using it doesn't, right? They have a yeah. personal account. This, so I have about, I think, nine cards on my card. Okay. Right? I have my US card, my ATM card, my Santander corporate, my personal one, the one that accrues me miles for yeah. um, large purchases. So even if you're, you know, solopreneur, you have your personal card and your business card. If you have a couple of employees, each of your employees also has their personal card and their business right. Uh, card, right? So at a minimum, you're looking at people who have two, three cards. And some, you know, for the most part, people have their debit card where they have, as you said, where they have their cash, and then they have their credits, right? Yeah. So and you and you play with those. And to the point of the roadmap and 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 the idea of sort of managing money, I, I think it's somewhere between seeing and spending, mm. and this is part of where I'm trying to influence Shahar on the roadmap. If if you think about, you know, where does AI start to play in this game, right? Why can't I have a very simple to start with a rule based uh, planner mm. that says move now? I have go back in time so I can move mm. things around. Put this purchase anywhere you can, but always at the lower APR that you can find across my cards. Mm-hmm. Fifteen of the month, money comes in. Move it to my debit, and you know through through PSD two, I'll be able to say. And by the way, as soon as money comes in, please play. You know, pay the first three cards that that uh, come due with the highest APR. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to switch between cards anymore. My, all of my cards, all of my spending, mm-hmm. converge into one thing that manages smartly, manages and saves money for me. I think that's really smart. Like you say, it's it's uh, like listen to him. He's a uh, smart <laughs> smart guy. Because like like you say, at that point, actually, it's it's not just convenience. It's actually giving me. It's saving me money. In right. the, and I don't have to look at nice pie charts and figure out if I'm spending too much. Sure. Here. it just happens. Doing it smartly yeah. for me. And since we're going down that path, why couldn't it just say, well, instead of putting it on a card, you know, maybe Santander wants to finance this purchase now in real time. So yeah. suddenly, once you once you decouple the plastic from the spending, right? Curve can have a PSIP behind it, so it can be a direct pay from my card, yeah. from my account. Mm. It can be a credit card, it can be a debit card, but it could be a, you know, an, an, a real-time financing that I get through yeah. Santander or anywhere else, right? And, and go back in time is the basis for that. So the go back in time when we when we built the product, we built it in understanding what can be done with it. So I can spend um, buy this beautiful laptop for a thousand pounds on my debit card, and then uh, something there can say, "Hey, why don't you finance it in ten installments of hundred and ten every month?" Mm. And the ten installments, it's easier for me to calculate it than APR, and it with one click of a yes, we'll debit it and credit him. And that makes to- that makes total sense to me. Like you say, it's getting that you know two or three steps closer to the customer than in terms of the actual problem that you're fixing. So you know that that 
you know, job to be done there is getting the most uh, efficient uh, sort of spend for, you know, what you can do, isn't and it? To the point of like all the money that's going into PFMs and again, showing yeah. nice pie charts and forecasting and telling you to spend less on this. And why can't just I have a CFO on demand 24 seven that is just a you yeah. know, rule-based AI, just doing it for me. And if, if it gets it wrong at the end of the day, I have go back in time to rearrange things yeah. the way I see fit. Well, we, we talk about this a lot. You know, most of most of that stuff, most of the PFM plays are retrospective, aren't they? You know, they're kind of looking at what you should have done if you had the ability to sort of uh, do it again. But actually, this that, that proposition gives you the ability to, you know, actually change the, the past, doesn't it? So I'm trying really hard not to go into Back to the Future references on this one, but uh, they're going to come out very soon, I'm afraid. And, and, and quickly on, on the, the first question you asked about what keeps them staying, um, I love to say in the company nothing. And the reason I'm saying nothing is because we didn't introduce any friction. They keep using their cards. Mm-hmm. Just now they got a better experience without changing the bank. The only time that I stopped, sorry, that I stopped using the card and it's not, not his fault was when his uh, processor went down. Uh, and I was in San Francisco. Which I guess is a, is a whole other conversation when yeah. we talk about <laughs> back-end infrastructure and banking uh, payments processes. We all feel the pain, <laughs> all, all, all the startups. <laughs> well, on that, Mariano, Shahar, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, where can people sign up for Curve? So they can go to the App Store, uh, search for the Curve card or online at imaginecurve.com. Uh, we're looking to launch uh, the consumer position um, uh, later this year. So... Uh, they can go to the waitlist and start um, garnering, jumping on places if they'd like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they're a small business, micro business, they can get the card immediately within two days. And Mariano, what are you looking for in terms of uh, startups? Are you looking for inbound and how does that happen? Yeah, what, what's your email, Mariano? And then people can let you know what, uh, what their great <laughs> new idea. At siv.vc. <laughs> you look at everything that comes into that inbox. No, I think as I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for uh, solutions to real problems that people have with hopefully a sustainable business model behind them. I think that's the easiest way to put it, right? I think there's a lot of people with with a hammer looking for nails, and 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 not everything is a nail, right? So, um, a lot of what we look at gets discarded in the first thirty seconds of us looking at the deck. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do try to focus on, on on creating real value for for our customers. Gentlemen, thanks very much. Thank, Thank you very you. much. And that's it for another episode of FinTech Insider Interviews. Thanks very much to both our guests, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends about us, and please leave us a review on iTunes. We read them and we take the feedback really well. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.